Hello and welcome to the Hoosey Podcast with me, Phil. Some of us rewatch Doctor Who serials in their entirety, as a particular story can sometimes remind us of a particular point in our lives. But more often than not, it's a certain episode within that story that can trigger those memories, be they happy or sad, good or bad. So in this occasional series of audio commentaries, I invite a special guest to select a single episode of a Doctor Who story and come and chat their way through their episode of choice and the memories that it evokes. My guest this episode um, is a returning guest, actually. Uh, It is um, author, comedian and now podcaster, uh, Toby Haydock. Toby, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's nice to be back. Thanks for having me. Good, good, uh, good. Yeah, jack of all trades. I love it when you have three or four different descriptions uh, because it basically means he does none of these things properly. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Um, I must say, though, because since, since we last spoke and, and sort of over the last few months, you've sort of become a, like a one-man podcasting machine, haven't you? Oh, God. Yeah, I don't have to make life difficult. Uh, <laughs> Yes, I, I decided to do a, a podcast and couldn't decide um, which podcast to, to do. I like the idea of doing something historical. Um, I thought everybody does commentaries and I didn't, and I, you know, I do, I've done enough commentaries, but they're obviously <laughs> easier because you can just, I, I, I really wanted to do something I could do on my own mm. that I didn't, that I was under no pressure to be 100% accurate about because there's nothing worse than putting something out there. And then having people going, oh, but what about this or what about that? And I, I didn't want to sort of create more work down the line because I try and engage with people if they, if they contact me. Um, um, uh, and and so, but but the, my first thought was to do just sort of little essays uh, about Doctor Who, sort of little thoughts for the day, little sort of um, Radio Four type monologues, but about some arcane thing to do with Doctor Who. And I, and I started with those, and I wrote a few of them, and then realised that they actually took quite a lot of work in themselves. <laughs> uh, uh, and then if I was going to re- do something regularly, the, the commentary seemed like the best idea. So then in the end, I just went, well, I'll do all three, but I'll do them at different, you know, they'll get released at different rates. And obviously the, the commentary can keep things ticking over, and I can I can put one of those together fairly quickly. Yeah. And then the other stuff, you know, that, that takes a bit longer. Uh, I will eke out uh, slightly more slowly, which is why instead of doing one podcast, I've done three. Right. So, uh, as I say, you you <laughs> you do make life difficult for yourself. Yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Um, but not only that, I mean, it's, not, it's going out in audio format. You're also uploading um, these to YouTube as well, aren't you? Um, so you you sort of really sort of doubling your workload there. Yes. Well, even even more slowly. Um, but I figured. I don't know why I thought of doing the YouTube thing. I think. It's because there's a lot of sort of Doctor Who stuff on YouTube that seems to do quite well, um, uh, and I thought, well, people don't have to actually, you know, people can have the choice. Why not? Why not? Why not let people have the choice? But it takes they take so much longer to put together. So there's one a week of of those. So they're 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 much further behind, and, and that's just the commentaries. But actually, mm. I was talking to my son because it's what you do when you get to a certain age, isn't it? Suddenly your children are much wiser than you and can, can school you <laughs> in, in the modern way. And he, said, and, I, and, and he said, well, what about, you know, your, your factual ones and your, your, your essays? And I said, well, they're not videos. I don't 
film those. And he said, no, 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 just put a holding shot and just put audio only because a lot of people who don't have podcast apps get all their stuff off YouTube and they don't care if there are pictures. So um, I might start to do that as well, which obviously they'll be simple to put together because I'll just, you know, pop a placeholder on and up they go. Um, uh, and it's just a way of you just have to, you know, put yourself self across as many platforms as you can, because there'll always be somebody who, when you go, here's my thing, somebody go, uh, is it available on this? Which is the only thing I use. And you go, oh, God, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, but actually, the podcast apps are pretty good for getting it across all the different the different platforms. But but YouTube uh, seems to be a law unto itself and a different, you know, there's a lot of people who do YouTube who don't do podcasts. That's yeah, I, so. yeah, I, I do find YouTube a very difficult platform to sort of gain uh, an audience on because I, I we have a, a sister show on um, the Who's He video podcast, um, which again I make it difficult for myself because I do it with green screen and and and, and so on, you know. So I've got a lot of fancy sort of background, moving backgrounds and everything. Um, but because of that, I tend to put them out very, very rarely. Um, but I do find it very difficult to... I, I haven't quite got to grips with the whole uh, tags thing yet. I don't know, have, have you sort of... Well, well, have, you, a, have you cracked it? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I don't know. There's a, there's a fellow called Gavin Rymill who's a, a great uh, doctor researcher and a brilliant... Uh, um, uh, his, his work on uh, uh, the Dalek history is superb, but he sort of understands the internet, and he very kindly he's made my YouTube thumbnails for me in his own time because he said there's a certain way of doing these that are more likely to attract people, and he he schooled me in the hashtags a bit so that when my son did have a look because I was talking to my son, he said, "Well, let me have a look at your channel," and he was like, "Oh, actually, uh, your hash your hashtaggery is pretty good." So, but I can't I can't begin to tell you I know <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> You've got a winning formula. You're not going to question it. That's the main yeah. thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what I was going to say, I mean, it's had a, a very, I mean, a fantastic response, hasn't it? Um, your podcast, it, it's, um, I mean, I've, I, I'm a subscriber to your YouTube channel and your audio podcast channel as well, um, and uh, I think they're sort of I mean, all, all three that you do are um, sort of very entertaining and, and fascinating as well. Um, and I can see you, you, you do put a lot of a lot of detail into your essays. Um, they're always sort of like very sort of short history lessons, really, aren't they, about Doctor Who? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 one that's historical is 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 called Too Much Information. Mm. It's basically all the facts I can gather about a particular episode, um, and I've just started at the beginning, and I'm going in order. Um, just because I thought there's so many written histories of Doctor Who and so much great scholarship, but none of it's out loud. Um, mm. And the documentaries on Doctor Who haven't been able to go into that much detail about, you know, when the first footage of Doctor Who was filmed, where it was filmed and who was involved. Um, so, you know, there's there's nowhere where you can spend five minutes talking about the bloke whose shadow falls across the TARDIS at the end <laughs> of the episode. Well, in my thing, you can. Cause, yeah. And that's the beauty of podcasting as well, is that you go, well, I sort of don't care if there's a market for this or not, because I'm not working for anybody. I'm just doing what I like um, and what I find interesting. And of course, what I realized with my one man show, which I hadn't anticipated um, all those years ago. Um, and the reason I guess I'm here now is, is that um, uh, there are actually more people like you out there than you think. <laughs> and, uh, they are drawn to, to the stuff that you do because you, 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 you speak in their language. It's just that, not many people that we knew as kids maybe sp spoke that. Um, um, so, um, so yeah, 
so those those go into a lot of detail. But then the essays, they can sort of be anything. So one week it's, you know, my personal history of discovering the target books. And so it's not a history of the target books. It's like, this is the one I read first. And this is where what happened when I was reading this one. And it's entirely personal or autobiographical, mm. but be stuff that chimes with people. But also it's a vehicle to do funny jokes or observations about Doctor or phraseology or whatever. So I can sort of make the rule. And then the one the following week is all about the history of carrot juice in Doctor Who, um, uh, <laughs> which, which again is, is an excuse to hang a load of jokes of something but it's also a genuine history of every time carrots have been mentioned in Doctor <laughs> uh, and and why not if you know if that's you know some uh, I, I guess you know some people uh, i do you know quite like listening to a, a true crime podcast some people like listening to uh, uh, um you know a history podcast but i think some people like sort of reveling in Doctor Who nostalgia or factoids. And uh, and hopefully, because I'm a writer and a comedian, I can phrase it in, in an interesting way or make it, you know, amusing or at least diverting to listen to. So why not stick it out there and see if people like it? And, and, and enough people seem to, to justify me doing it. And then the commentaries. A friend had a brainwave and uh i i'd originally set it up i'd set up i i can't even remember what i did now but the rules were so convoluted uh about what story you should choose and what you should say and blah blah blah. because i wanted another contributor but i didn't want them to turn up at the same time as i did and us get together to do it so they do a video at the beginning and at the end and my friend just said just make it a quest um um uh, where they choose the things and you have to see if you're you've chosen the same things because i think i think i'd said they have to be positive that was my angle my wheeze was i listen to quite a lot of doctor commentary uh, commentaries and podcasts and a lot of them are very very funny but quite often you can listen to a whole episode and think i don't know why you like doctor Who. <laughs> uh, but i i am the same it is i'm a glass half empty sort of person it is very easy to uh, to fixate on the things you don't like or to take the piss. So I thought it would be an interesting exercise, um, especially because when you do something, that's the first thing you hate is the first post you see about it is somebody criticising it. You think, oh, come on. So I thought, well, I shouldn't be doing that to a Doctor Who episode. The first thing I say about it is that doesn't work. So, uh, and because it was locked down as well, and I, 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 I was feeling that there needed to be a bit more positivity flying around, that, that was the angle was I have to, I have to be positive. Yeah. Um, so then I sent out messages to all my friends and said, name a Doctor Who story, choose your five favourite things about it. I have to then watch it and see if I can guess your favourite things, but I have to accentuate the positive in the commentary. So, of course, everybody goes, uh, time flight, time lash, the chase. So I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> so, so Emma Reeves went, I nearly chose Genesis of the Daleks, but I'm doing time lash instead. I was like, oh, thanks a bunch. <laughs> uh, but that makes it quite, it's hard to be funny when you're being positive. So the comedic instinct to sort of rip, because I, I want them to be entertaining. I want them to be funny, mm. but you have to be funny in a different way because you're not taking the Mickey out of something. So that's been quite a, a lesson as well. Um, but it's been, it's, it's been quite fun. And, and, and when I get into the stone, I can sort of rattle them off a, a, a bit and, and keep them, keep them coming out. So they, I, I, I aim to release 50 minutes of, new material every week so either two 25 minute episodes or a, a, a sort of 45 50 minute episode uh, of the commentaries uh, and then the other the other ones are about that, that length anyway um but i also do omnibuses because i did that as an experiment it's all learning i've never done anything like this before and i thought well perhaps people don't want to keep uploading 
if they want to listen to even other Daleks, they can listen to all seven episodes if I edit them all together. So I did and mm. was expecting maybe, you know, half a dozen people to download that. But the omnibuses have had as many downloads as the uh, as the normal episodes. Do you know, I, I think that's probably more to do with how sort of audiences like their content now. They like to binge it. I think, yeah. and that's probably why you, you, you're getting as you know as equal as many downloads on those only buses because the people can't they can't wait for the next episodes. No matter what it is, they're interested in they they want everything now. Um, it's, it's good because it's a, it's it's not much effort on my part just to you know snip them all together, and it means if I've got a busy you know I don't have a schedule for the omnibuses. I sort of follow up with them a bit later. If I've got a busy week, you know I can just go. Well, I'll just pop a few few of them out or if i've you know if i've already released a really long historical one mm. but on the, on the monday i can just pop an omnibus out on the on the friday because they've had their 50 minutes plus of new material as it were yeah. so as so long as yeah. everyone's getting 50 minutes every week out of me i think that's i think that's fair although patrons get much more than that but that's a whole different ball game <laughs> <laughs> i should do that paid content that's a good idea yeah ex- bonus material I, I like that idea i really do it's, it's mostly advanced material if i'm honest uh uh the, the the patrons mostly get stuff early although there is some bonus stuff as well um I, i'm trying to strike the right balance with that nobody's complained uh, and i think mostly patreon isn't it is it's about i get the impression because i've got different tiers and stuff mm. where you offer different incentives but actually i think people are just happy to be supportive and they're not doing it because they get a badge if they spend two pounds more a month or whatever they're doing it because they go well that's the level i feel comfortable supporting at and and i'm just you know i'm just making it worth this person's while to produce this 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 level of material i've really enjoyed the patreon side of things i was very cautious about it it feels so wrong you always have guilt as a a performer and a writer and a creator that people actually pay for you just talking um uh but um (laughs) You know, it's voluntary. It's nobody's forcing anybody, and, and and the feedback has been lovely. And I can sort of try stuff out in what is a sort of safe space in a way. Um, uh, and and I've had you know touch with no drop offs and and lots of lovely feedback. So oh, that's that, that's 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 nice because in in this day and age, it can be a bit it can be a bit daunting throwing stuff out there um, because people are so quick to be sort of critical. <laughs> I know that is that is that instant feedback, um, which say isn't always um, isn't always welcome. It, it yeah. really isn't. But um, but I say that that's the nature of the beast, as they say. But um, but anyway, I, I mean, obviously, we we just discussed you. You know, you're doing lots of commentary, so I've asked John here to do yet another Gosh. one. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So hopefully that this okay. This is a little commentary with a slight twist. So um, obviously. Uh, for people who are sort of listening and don't realise why they're listening to this, um, apart from Toby being here, of course, is the fact that the um, I ask guests to come on and select a, a, a single episode of Doctor Who that sort of holds um, either special memories for them or reminds them of a certain time of their life, whether it be sort of whether they were a child or when they were an adult or or whatever. So, um, Toby, you've selected Remembrance of the Daleks episode four. I certainly have. Yes. Now, um, so before we sort of kick off the commentary, uh, why did you select this particular episode? Well, it's a, you asked me for one that had a particular sort of uh, uh, emotional resonance. Mm. And it would have been obvious, I think, for me to choose, say, uh, Invisible Enemy Part 1, because it's the first uh, one I remember watching. But I, I, I'm 
conscious of these things that I I, I, I guessed on a few podcasts, and I don't want to keep saying the same old thing. Hmm. Um, and although I haven't done a commentary on episode one of The Invisible Enemy, I've, I've talked about that introduction before. And, and, and I sort of decided to go with my gut reaction, which went, the first thing that popped into my head when you said something that has a personal connection hmm. was that um, the, the funeral at the end of part four of Remembrance of the Daleks came the same week as my granddad's funeral. And he was the first major relative that I lost. I was quite lucky that my grandparents, uh, well, our family split anyway, but but but, but nonetheless, um, my grandparents were all still alive at this point, uh, even the ones who were slightly estranged. Mm. Um, but this this grandparent was my my mum's dad, so he was somebody who was in in my life, um, uh, and, and they all they were all still alive into their sort of late seventies. Most of my friends had, had got grandparents that had died, and I I I hadn't. Uh, and and he was the first he was the first major relative to, to go. So I just and and then of course there's a funeral at the end of the episode. So I remember it being one that that caused various sort of emotions to no way the doctor who doesn't often with me i don't look at something and it necessarily reflects what's happening in my life at the time hmm. so i've sort of got into it slightly blind in a way but with that with that because it stirred that memory of that confluence of you know activity in the show and 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 uh, uh, an event in my life yeah it's um i say it's weird sort of how these things will do um remind you of such things as well i i i funny the, the, the first relative or close relative I, I had lost was was also one of my grandfathers as well um I was I was 16 when it happened um and in a this is sort of a very very sort of <laughs> put my thing is a little bit um on, on on the sick side but basically what reminds me of, of the day of his funeral was an episode of a last Smith and Jones because that particular night it was it was it was a it was a Friday um, which were, well, at the time that's when it aired, and they had a, a sketch on there that had um, a hearse pull away with um, from a funeral with loads of tin cans on the back, dragging behind, was saying "just buried," <laughs> spray painted on the back, and I found it hilariously funny. Now I don't know if that was some sort of nervous release of of grief or or, or whatever it was, but. I still think about it now, actually, and thinking what what must have you know what state of mind must have I been in to have found that funny, you know? So. And you've remembered it to this day. Exactly, well. yeah. I mean, I don't remember anything else about that episode, just that one sketch. That's it. That's all I can remember about it. But uh. well, maybe if I hadn't watched Remembrance of the Dalek since, all I would remember about it was was the funeral. But uh, yeah. I've, uh, I've I've probably watched it a fair few times uh, <laughs> since. So, so yeah. uh, let's let's get stuck into our commentary then, shall we? So, um, so if anyone uh, at home, if you want to watch along with us, uh, we are going to press play in five, four, three, two, one, and play. And hopefully, Toby, you and I are synced up with the opening credits. <laughs> uh. Hang on, hang on. Right, yes. Sorry, there was a bit of a delay there, uh, but I can. Are you, where are you? Um, it's the the, the spinning gl uh, globe with the TARDIS is just coming towards the screen now. I, I can I can get to that. <laughs> there must be easier ways of doing this remotely, Toad. There must be. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's here's McCoy's face. Here we go.
Okie dokie. So, should we be talking? Tell me what you can Let's, see. I can now see the the uh, Remnants of the Daleks written by Ben Aranovich. There we go. Yes, we're there. We're Brilliant. there. Here we so go. So, we start with uh, the lovely Pamela Salem walking through the door. Yes. Uh, well, enough, I've been name drop. I've been emailing her only last week. Really? Uh, yeah, because she was in she was in a play with Alethea Charlton, who was in the first Doctor Who story as her, the cave woman. That's correct. And, yes. So I emailed. Pamela to see if she'd got any memories of working with Alethea, and she did. So we had a bit of a back and forth. Oh, uh, fantastic. Th- uh, I love this spaceship uh, and the windows breaking. It's incredible. I think it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. The, to be honest, I this um, this story, because I'd actually stopped watching Doctor Who um, for a while. I, I don't know, my, my interest just went elsewhere. I think I was a teenager and I was, I was just doing other things. Um, and I happened to switch on to episode one of this story, and I thought, "Wow, this this is not the Doctor Who I remember." Um, and the Daleks never looked at that point never looked any better. Actually, it's it's like a different show from the year before. And yes, I'd, yes. I've been very unhappy with Doctor Who the year before. Although actually, I rather like season twenty four now. But I was, I, I think, it says a lot about our psychology. As, as, as fans, I was always looking over my shoulder for what other people would criticise Doctor Who for. And I saw a lot in season 24 that other people would be critical of. Whereas this, of course, looked great, uh, sounded great, um, seemed like a complete um, sort of sea change for the show. Uh, but also, I'd started to get involved in fandom and all fans loved this story. So I, I made it my business to decide it was overrated and get cross with it for all the things that it wasn't. So I was really down on Remembrance uh, Oh wow. in, in its immediate aftermath. I loved the way it looked and the pace of it, but I, I was annoyed with the fact that Daleks had exterminate 13 times without doing anything. <laughs> on two cliffhangers. Um, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was annoyed with the sort of uh, continuity idea that, hang on, I thought the Doctor met the Daleks for the first time after Unearthly Child. And they're telling us that actually before Unearthly Child, he set all these events in place. And I got furious about that sort of stuff. I've, I've, I've come over the years to absolutely love Remembrance. I think it's a high watermark in the show's history. Um, and uh, I was for Phantom Films, I did a commentary with uh, some of the cast and crew, and it was one of the most delightful um, reunions. They've met each other many times since, but to, to, to be part of, they're all jolly nice people and uh, uh, and remembered it fondly and all this battle stuff is 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 super i mean you hadn't seen stuff like this uh in in doctor who in an age and when you had they hadn't had the technology to do the the laser beams like a big flame explosion fantastic it's amazing even though they i've got to be honest here toby the the darts have got the same accuracy as stormtroopers to be honest but at least they're quite far away from each other there Whereas we're used to them having that accuracy when they're about two feet two away. Foot. I know, yeah, I know, I know. That was always one of the uh, the things that has always tickled me when there was always a, a gunfight in Doctor Who. They were probably about six foot away from each other and missed. So, yeah. but that was just the confines of working in the studio, I suppose. But uh, yeah, and and this stuff out. Oh, and about, special and weapons, Dalek. Love it. <laughs> it's the touch of having all that oil oozing out. You know, again, that's quite forward thinking. That that we're we're used to Daleks being a bit more sort of rivety and make making noises and you know they're a bit more tanky and i think the addition of the oil because it's you know it's a machine why wouldn't it have oil but we don't we're not used to daleks with oil on it's little touches like that that are great oh, um, brilliant 
And yeah, this is a load of skips. This spaceship, but it's it's funny. What? Why do we? Con- why are we so concerned? Or why am I so concerned with what other people think? The week before, we'd been at, so I'd watched episode three. I'd got a friend to record it yeah. because um, if I wasn't there to do the recording, I had to get a friend to do it for me. So cause it had to be an off-air recording and all of that sort of stuff, you know. And um, uh, my, yeah, my my friend had recorded it, and um, so I'd I'd been at my grandparents' house with my extended family because it was my granddad's funeral coming up. So. I, I had to do that thing of watching it whilst, uh, you know, my my aunt said, I remember there's a bit when Ratcliffe's shouting at his men um, uh, uh, and says, come on, lads, put your back into it. And it's the sort of thing my, my uncle's wife went, well, nobody said, you know, that's terrible dialogue. Nobody says stuff like that. And I'm going, I've watched stuff with people say, put your backs into it, lads, and have never thought twice about it. But it, I, I realised that other people watch telly to sort of, needle it and criticize it in a, in a way that i've never even understood i just sort of go it's fine it's just a line what but, yeah, but yeah they were watching it wanting to be smart alex and wanting to criticize and and, and i think and, and i think that's why i sometimes try and do stuff that is is very very positive because i think it's easy to be a smart alec and i and if that's your way of having fun I, i'm not sure it's as, as as clever as the people doing it think it is um, no, there's uh, something sort of smug about it, isn't there? There is a little, yeah. Um, but and, and you know, this has got so much going for it. Um, I think it's brilliantly directed um, by by Andrew Morgan, um, and, and of course we we'd, we'd worked out. I don't know about you. Had, had you worked out that the, uh, the with the with the closing credits of episode three that the Emperor Dalek was Roy Tremelli? Uh, which is, of course, an anagram of Terry, Terry Malloy. Malloy. Yes, <laughs> JNT did love his anagrams, didn't he? <laughs> he did. He did. Um, although later that year, in Silver Nemesis, there's an there's an actor called Metin Yenal who plays Carl, the Nazi sidekick to De Flores, and um, that's almost an anagram of me Ant Ainley. I think there's it's only an A short, and I. Oh. You know, didn't have the wherewithal to realise it was a that, that it was a German name and he was playing a German stormtrooper. But I was convinced that uh, that because it was Silver Nemesis, it was the you know the anniversary story that it was going to have a surprise appearance by the master. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, I think that's the natural reaction of a Doctor Who fan is reading in things into the story that's not actually there. <laughs> God, gotcha. gotcha. um, oh dear, God bless us for it. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Absolutely, but I, I love this. But but I so I knew that my aunt uh, for, would would say that well that spaceship's uh, a load of skips and she did. But but for me, it's a practical spaceship being lowered into the playground. Um, you know the smoke it leaves those burn marks, all that sort of stuff, all that little bits of attention to detail. And actually, I think I, I think in a serious way, you're used to seeing any bits of things or 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 like the one in silver nemesis when it's a when it's a a a cso sort of model on the landscape which Mm. has got that fringing the fact that it you you know it's actually there is is a great piece of uh it's a great wow moment if you're used to watching doctor who i think that's what impressed at the time is the fact it was a full-size prop that they obviously yeah you know they've loaded it on on a on a on a crane but who 
who cares? It looked fantastic. It, it, yeah. it, it was something tangible on screen. That's why, that's why I really like it. Yeah. Now, isn't that um, is that? Oh, you, you, you're probably correct. Is that tip tipping? The, the corporal who's the yes, corporal yes, yes, tip tipping the stuntman um, who uh, who uh, he actually walked off Doctor at the end of the season because. Um, because Eddie Kidd um, was not an equity member who was doing the motorcycle stunt. Uh, Tip Tipping was equity's um, stunt representative. I think yeah. that's the reason. Um, but yeah, he was, I, and he's in Aliens. He was a he was a foremost stuntman, but he was sadly killed uh, doing a stunt only a few years after this, um, oh, doing dear. a parachute jump for Dial Nine Nine Nine. I think was the show. But he that's did move. right. Yes, yes. Then you say the, the Dial Nine Nine Nine. Yeah, I, I remember now. Yeah. Uh, and he was very popular. I don't, and all this stuff with the Daleks is great. It's fantastic, isn't it? But yeah, so so so, and and, and I love Tip Tipping because I've I'd, I'd seen his name on other stuff, and it's such a good name for a stuntman. But of course, he does that stunt in episode one that says, "This is Doctor Who, but not as you know it." Where when somebody gets shot by a Dalek, they don't just fall over; they fly backwards into corrugated iron, and you see their skeleton momentarily as they do so. And that, you know, again, that's Doctor Who announcing itself, um, uh, you know, and going this, you know, we're really trying hard here. Yeah. Um, a show that didn't have a great reputation, you know. So I, I see the thing is when I sort of you listen back to Michael Grade and at the time and he was saying, well, the reason he, he looked cheap compared to, you know, Star Wars or the, or the glossy American shows that were that were sort of um, sort of. In the eighties, I suppose that that's that was sort of that that was the height of those imported American shows, really. Um, and I don't, yeah. I, it just made me think. Well, if you thought that if Doctor looked cheap compared to that, and this doesn't look cheap at all, I think this looks really, really good. Um, I've always thought. Well, if you thought it was cheap, why didn't you just give it more budget then? Oh, indeed, yeah. It's a, yes. If you're in charge of a thing and and it's shortcoming, something you can do something about. Do something about it. Uh, yeah. Especially if you've got enough of a following. Uh, I mean. Yeah, yeah, and it was I, I, you know, I, my relationship with Doctor, I loved Doctor Who, even, but I, but I, but it caused me so much anxiety as I see it now because mm. because I was so concerned about what people thought, and because, the, you know, the the, the axe was hanging. Um, yes, it was. Uh, it was even, even when it was really good. And I have to say, I I fluctuated this season. I hated the Happiness Patrol. Uh, I actually really like it now. Um, I hated Silver Nemesis. Um, I, I, I'm still not its greatest fan, but I loved Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Um, uh, uh, but but even when I loved it, there was a so when I loved it, there was a sense of injustice that nobody's watching this Doctor Who story that's absolutely brilliant because everyone at school thinks Doctor Who is a bit of a joke. And, and, and when it was not up to scratch, it was like, but what if the people watch it? Because then they'll hate it and they'll be, oh. <laughs> um, he's, he's a double-edged soldier, right? He is. But it's taken me a long time to accept Doctor for what it is. But I think it's a lesson for life as well, for, for, for accepting the present and not, and not, and not worrying t- too much because – what will what will happen will happen anyway, and yeah. I see I see certain other people you know who get really furious um, with with Doctor Who, whatever it does, and it's and, it, and 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 I and I feel a bit for them because it's it's not it's not the way to enjoy something, and I can think an episode's not very good, but but for it not to sort of impinge on the rest of my life, you know. <laughs> 
I know some people sort of uh, it's a very extremes with 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 um, this sort of thing, and people sort of like oh, that that you know that one's ruined the whole show for me. But that's the beauty of Doctor Who. You might not like this particular story, but then the next week it's something different again. And, and time changed. I I love this story now, as I say, and I was really yeah. down on it. But again, that was part of me trying to be cool in my own head, if you like. I I think, uh, but also. Um, I've I've always and and again this is something we need to watch out for. I have always enjoyed Doctor Who more in retrospect because of that element of worrying about the show's future and all of that sort of thing. Mm. Um, that even and even even some of the more modern episodes that I've maybe had a beef with, I've 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 looked back at you know five years later and gone they're great. What was I worried about? <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's just that it's it's always that immediate reaction, and it's not the best thing to base anything on, really, is it? Um, because there are certain episodes I've it's been the reverse that I've really liked, and then on first watch, then watched it again, I thought mm, I'm not so sure now. Um, and then you know, I, th- I think it's just sort of also depends on what frame of mind you're in when you're watching something as well. Absolutely. You know. Absolutely, we're you know we're 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 very reactive, and I you know I was of a certain age, you know much much you know that's the thing about a lot of our early memories of Doctor Who is when we're teenagers, and teenagedom is is a is a horrific time. Yes, fascinating uh, <laughs> emotions. So so Doctor Who is a sort of anchor for us there um, uh, when you know when we're dealing with things that we we've hitherto not had to had to deal with. And and I love that about the show is that and, and that's what I like about these episodes actually is that because these are set in nineteen sixty three when the show began mm. they are they are a, 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 an exercise in nostalgia as well um, and 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 sort of emphasising that Doctor Who sort of is is part of our lives and is woven into our own history mm. uh, and and. Uh, and the clever wheeze, of course, with this was was having Davros as the emperor when I think some of us had pro- thought he was the 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 guy with the motorcycle helmet on who turns out to be the girl. Yes, uh, that indeed. was quite a clever piece of misdirection too. Well, what actually what I loved about the Emperor Dalek um, prop there that it just reminded me of the the um, the comic. But was it yeah. the, the was it Century um, Twenty One? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Which I absolutely loved. I've still got, um, I say still got, somebody re-bought me um, a Dalek annual for the 1978, I think it was, Dalek annual. Um, and I just enjoyed rereading those old stories again where basically the Daleks were the heroes. Um, yeah. And, you know, and you've got the that fantastic Emperor Dalek in there. Um, and as soon as I saw this, I thought, wow, they're actually referencing the comic book, which I absolutely adored at the time. So... Then to see Davros underneath was an even better twist. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a nice, it's a, it's a nice one. And of course, the uh, the the other thing they've done very cleverly with this is um, uh, have the have the sort of National Front racism story, uh, uh, you know, underneath the story about Daleks and their 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 racial purity. And as mm. a as a young you know, as a young pre-GCSE student doing English, you know the the idea that there was subtext in Doctor Who, and 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 that it had a that it you know had a had a, had a sort of moral moral element to the storytelling uh, was 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 fascinating, and it's a again I could sort of justify my 
my thing to the teachers and go, ah, yeah, but it's about it's about racism, really, and all of that sort of stuff. And I think it's not shoehorned in here cause, because it's thematically apposite to the to the bad guys, you know. Yes, the, indeed. The Daleks are interracial purity, and let's echo that in the uh, in the human story underneath. And I, I remember my friend saying, oh, I think that Mike's a traitor after episode. And I was just like, absolutely no way. He's one of the good guys. He's got the big machine gun thing. He's really handsome. I mean, Jersey McClinton is gorgeous. And <laughs> has, has hit the news recently because, of course, the, there were the parallels with his career and life with the hero of Russell T. Davies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, he, th- he could have had, I think, such a career as matinee idol looks he had and, and uh, real charisma and he's great in it but and then he's the bad guy which is terrific because i think that comes out of nowhere and i think it's a real betrayal um and and it's a real betrayal for for ace who's you know met this guy who seems so nice and he look you know he he doesn't he doesn't look like a usual bad guy um and he plays it so well um and i think that's a really successful element of of this this story and this this show which which for all the action and special effects and 60s nostalgia does have a you know a melancholic undertone to it for me and and i think it's partially because of because of because of mike and maybe it's because it's the week of my granddad's funeral yeah yeah i I don't know I get this looks fantastic again. People sort of like that the effects on Doctor Who were were, were poor. But when I think when the when the BBC effects unit pulled their were on their A game, you you, you got this. I thought it looks fantastic. This is a very clever production, um, and and I think credit to Andrew Morgan, who it's hard because time on the run is nobody's favourite story. But Andrew Morgan is a is a very good director, and I think I think they make a series of very smart decisions with this which stop some of Doctor Who's usual shortcomings occurring. So the fact that the Dalek spaceship set is largely invisible yeah. is, a, is, is, a, is a stroke of genius because you go, well, we can't, we can't make a spaceship that's going to look a million dollars, but let's, let's make one that you can't see most of it. So it gives the suggestion that it might be a million dollars just off screen, uh, <laughs> which, is, which is really smart, you know. Um, and... Uh, and I love the fact that he watches Davros on the black and white monitor as well, which is what everybody would have watched. Yeah, made, yeah, made out of what appears to be a box brownie camera as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love all of that. I love I love Doctor Who, you know, Heath, Heath Robinson devices made of the technology available. I, I, I love all of that. The idea that you can, that, that, that Doctor's, the, the technology the Doctor makes, even though it's, you know, my goodness, it's, it's a work of great invention. It's always cobbled together by bits of rubbish. <laughs> we don't get enough of that now in modern who I, I feel actually no. we could do a bit, yeah. a bit more of that, but um, yeah, a bit more Jerry built. Yeah. A bit more Heath Robinson um, because you know, the the, 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 the TARDIS is a thing of, of ramshackle charm. That's, that's, that's what it is. It's not the best spaceship in the fleet. You know, it can do amazing things, but it, it, it does them very badly. Yes. <laughs> I, love that. That, that, I can identify with that because I've never identified with the best spaceship in the fleet, you know? Um, and, and, and having tip tipping, I don't know if, 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 if it's just the fact that, that he's on board, but, but it's just little things like, yeah, Mike flying back when he's hit, although the staircase does move. Um, but I was going to ignore and, that. <laughs> but, but, 
little bits are given a little little elements are given a little bit of extra oomph things that we've seen before are just done slightly better than they usually are i would yeah. say in a particular story um and, and i th- and i think it it knows what doctor who does well it does uh you know relatively recent history well um although that was something interesting that the that the nathan turner era did with Delta and the Bannermen did the 50s. This does the 60s. Doctor Who had tended when they travelled back in time to go far back in time, you know, and historical was the Middle Ages or the mm, Crusades. Exactly, or, yeah. Or, or, you know, the closest we ever got was World War Two, I guess. But but, but this, but all, even World War Two seemed quite a novel setting, actually, with, with Fenric. But, but having the sort of military unit vibe but with a slight history thing going on at the same time, seemed to me to be making a virtue of everything. It, it seemed to be, it seemed to be getting all the ingredients and using familiar ingredients that we like, but actually giving them a slight twist. And I think the 60s setting is 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 a smart, is a you know, is a smart move. It is. I I I think that's what the one thing the BBC has always done well, though, isn't it? it it's it always do historical, no matter what period of history it is. Their yeah. attention to detail is, is, I always find, is like second to none, really. Yeah, yeah, it's more convincingly 1963 than it is November, but we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to forgive it that. <laughs> and that Black Dalek as well. I remember the first time that Black Dalek comes through the double doors in, in the third episode. Mm. Just just having a lick of gloss paint like that is just... But I, I, Love seeing a different, having a different colour Dalek, or a slightly new Dalek, or a Dalek that's got a new bit on it. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> and Ace comes up from behind the sofa, of course. Of course, uh, yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love about there's there's so many sort of little nods to sort of Doctor Who, its past, and and sort of like the folklore that sort of goes with it as well. Not just sort of like the folk within the show, but the the whole folklore of, of fandom, really. The, yeah, the whole hiding behind the sofa thing, which. I don't. Have you ever actually come across anyone's actually done that? No, because most sofas are against the back wall anyway. Precisely. Yes. But, <laughs> what's your sofa doing in the middle of the room? What sofa did you live in a castle? Um, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So this was quite resonant for me. Uh, interesting. Um, and but it's interesting because as as I was talking, I was thinking, why did I have such a down on this at the time? Because I don't think there was anything looking at it i was going but i didn't even dislike that bit at the time but i think oh i didn't like the baseball bat i thought the little zingy noises it made were were annoying um but i think i was just it's interesting i think i was just so concerned with being furious um that i allowed myself to be and i think as i say because lots of fans were acknowledging it as a classic i wanted to be different um i i I'm, perhaps I'm not so insecure. Well, I'm terribly insecure, but I'm not as insecure in that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it, it is also because Doctor Who at the, at the time wasn't cool to watch, was it? Um, and, I, and, it and if you were a fan of Doctor Who, then you, it was spoken in hushed tones. You, you didn't speak its name in public. Um, and it really was the, I suppose, the, the domain of, of, of sort of male spotty teenagers to, to, to be honest so uh but now it, it's celebrated and we could talk about it openly and you know it's um 
what what a time to be alive, Toby. Is what I'm going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. That's the end of the episode. Well, I, I enjoyed chatting away through that, Toby. That that was that was really good fun. Yeah, me too. Me too. I I had a I had a downer on the McCoy era for a long time. I think because I I had that idea that. Uh, I, although, uh, to quote a, a similar arse, uh, I never got to see the old days, but I know it's not as good as it used to be. And I think I was very much of that that faction mm. uh, that that the you know that 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 uh, that what was now. And I think there's something there about not not being comfortable in the present and not being comfortable in your own skin and yearning for something unattainable. And uh, and uh, and I think you know now I look back on. The McCoy era. There, there are still things. I think tonally, there are occasionally things that that I think go go wrong with it. And I I do think they they are occasionally a bit avant garde for a show that isn't taken seriously by the general public. And I think they perhaps should have done more stories like Remembrance and and fewer like The Happiness Patrol. Even though I personally quite like The Happiness Patrol, I like it as an historical document. Uh, yes. And because of because of uh, that, I can watch it now with no risk of. Doctor Who being cancelled. Um, I think if I was doing a show that was on the verge of being cancelled and people thought it used to be really good and wasn't anymore, I don't think I'd do one with um, Margaret Thatcher and Bertie Bassett. In it. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a pairing you never thought, you, or a double H you never thought you'd see on television. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I've got to say, my, my, my son, because um, I've got him into Doctor Who and he loves the, the McCoy era. He absolutely, he absolutely loves it. So if he if he's going to have a, um, sort of picks a DVD to watch, he always goes for this all the time. And he loves things like the Happiness Patrol and Delta well, and the Bannerman. He, he... I, I, Happiness Patrol was one I chose to watch with with my son because when he was very little, because it was so colourful and short, mm. I thought those would be. A, uh, and we ended up watching it over and over and over again. So you know, it absolutely um, uh, did that did the right job in terms of his his age group, you know. Um, and I actually think it's a very clever script and a brilliant science fiction idea. So, but again, I was, I was in, I was, yeah, I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the great thing about the fact that I will watch every story millions of times is that, uh, you know, you, you, you learn to appreciate things for what they are. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So yeah, I meant to that. I think there's, there's a, there is a lesson to be learnt there. Actually, I think is yeah. Give give it time and you'll appreciate it more. So there we yeah. are. There and we I, are. And I, I love that watching that with you just now. I, I you know, I, I, I think it doesn't put a foot wrong. It's a, it's a really good, it's a really good for the time. I think it's a, it stands up very, very well. I don't think it's it dates particularly. Uh, I, I, I think um, if you if you compared it to a lot of other stuff that was on telly that night. I think it, it it would it would uh, stand on its own two feet pretty well, and as a piece of Doctor Who, I think it's it's a list. Uh, I really do. Yeah, same here, same here. I, I think the since I started this little series of commentaries and the, and the guests have selected their episodes, and it you know as I said, it's it's for, you know for a, you know an a, you know an emotional response or whatever you want to call it, but I think the one thing that's that's come across all the commentaries is the fact they've all absolutely. Love the episode that they've selected. They haven't selected it for any negative reasons to want to um, make fun of it. They've, there's absolute deep joy of 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 watching the episode again and 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 chatting the way through it. So I think it's been a 
it's been an absolute pleasure sort of talking to people like yourself um you know sort of going through their, their sort of the memories and why they absolutely love doctor who you know yeah it's been really enjoyable really has been so well, uh, thanks, thanks thanks for asking me I, i'll tip a nod to my granddad he wasn't a doctor who fan um but he uh he didn't take the mickey in 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 the way that some some might and uh the last funny enough the last time i saw him was uh i was going to i didn't go to many doctor who conventions but i was going to a panopticon and my mm. friend had picked me up and i was staying at his overnight before before we went to do it and halfway to his house we'd forgotten the tickets or i'd, I'd forgotten my ticket it was in the days when to go to something you had to have a piece of paper yes uh, yes <laughs> which so we sent go, you in the post yes yeah, <laughs> we, so we had to go all the way back uh and he was he was he was quite scowly my granddad but in a in a in a sort of no-nonsense sort of way. He wasn't being mean. And he sort of scowled. And I, and it was really weird because I remember him sort of being being a bit scowly about it. Oh, well, you've got your ticket car sort of thing. But but not he wasn't meaning to be un, un, unpleasant. Um, and, and I suddenly got this massive wave of affection for him. And I sort of rubbed him on the shoulders and said, yeah, I'll, I'll see you next time because they just happened to be up that way. And I did never, and I actually never saw him again because he, he died. Um, he, oh. he, you know, you know some some so that must have been you know some some few months later yeah or even a few weeks later he you know he uh well bless him talking of margaret thatcher in doctor he, he was a lifelong socialist my granddad he was he was an ex-printer um uh uh one was one of 13 children uh they said he was at a special school he wasn't he was a children's they said he was a children yeah he was at a children's home he was basically he was a he was a uh uh they they were they 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 were put into care basically because yeah so from very very humble beginnings but he was a man of great principle and hard work and um uh, and uh, uh, he he ha he was a man of habit he had uh, two Weetabix for breakfast every morning except on Sundays when he had boiled eggs and soldiers uh, 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 except for one day my nan put out his two Weetabix for him and he came down and sat down and said I'm bored of them. Uh, and had shreddies instead, and then for the rest of his life had shreddies uh, every uh, Monday to Saturday, and then boiled egg and soldiers on a Sunday. Oh, that's brilliant! <laughs> if, if you want to know how many is too many Weetabix? Two a day for about seventy years, I think, and then suddenly <laughs> you're getting the hit critical mass. But he was watching Newsnight at home as he always did. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the Conservative Party conference and Margaret Thatcher came on and he said, I've had enough of that woman for one lifetime. Uh, I'm going to bed. And he went upstairs to bed and died. Oh. Uh, so you just think, well, you know what? Uh, if he was going to choose to go with any final words, I think he'd have probably chosen those. Yes, I think so. <laughs> um obviously thank you so much uh for, for joining me on this episode it, it was a, a, a lot of fun it really was um but before you before you go um please you know tell everybody where they can find your fantastic podcasts well hopefully you can find them on all the usual podcast outlets like um part of um uh, itunes apple spotify uh, it's on the podbean app um uh and they're called toby haydoke's time travels uh, but the individual ones are called happy times and places uh, which is the commentary, Too Much Information, which is the detailed history episode by episode, and Indefinable Magic, which are the essays. But they're all under the umbrella, Toby Haydock's Time Travels. Um, as I say, there's about, I usually release about 50 minutes per week. But if you want to get ahead of the curve, you go to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Uh, and there you'll be, you'll be months ahead. And there's also, there's a supplemental one to 
too much information where I bung in all the stuff that I couldn't fit in in that uh, and that shows <laughs> even more arcane detail. So, for example, for the one for the pilot, um, I give you a mini biography of all of the extras who were Coal Hill school children. And I found out pretty much the life story of all of them bar one, uh, which I think is pretty good. Uh, but well done. Well done. <laughs> it's also, uh, you know, the, the podcast is called Far Too Much Information. And, I, you know, I think it depends how much you want to know about Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> but I had fun finding it out. So it's, it's a shame to waste it, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Share the knowledge is what I say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, um, I don't know if, if you want to mention this uh, at all, Toby, but also uh, Dick Dixon. Something you just oh, launched yeah. as well. Yes, well, that's uh, the wonderfully funny writer, Jonathan Morris, who has written many a big finish uh, and is an all-round uh, uh, witty, nice guy who know, who understands science fiction very well. Um, he was, uh, we were chatting in lockdown and he said, oh, I've, you know, I've written this pilot. Um, and uh, I just said, oh, we're in lockdown. Just, just, you know, he said, oh, I'm wondering if I should hawk it around to them or I don't think the BBC would make it because it's, it's a, you know, it's a bit strong in certain places and blah, blah, blah. I went, oh, knickers to the gatekeepers just let's just do it um uh and he said well will you direct it then so i went yeah absolutely so then we we said right who, who could do this and we, we we flung the script out to to people who all said yes and we we produced it in lockdown um david darlington did this the sound design daryl mclean did the music and um uh, we bunged together a pilot it's got kieran hodgson uh who's been brilliant on twitter with his um, sort of truncated versions of early Doctor Who stories, but he's a he's a very gifted uh, actor and comedian who's been in loads of stuff. Uh, who just happens to be one of us on the sly, slightly. Um, a comedian <laughs> uh, of, of my non, uh, who I know have worked with many times called Alison June Smith, who's an excellent Canadian uh, who I thought had absolutely the right voice for the sort of the space heroine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Suze Kempner, who's so superb on. Uh, online with all of her spoof stuff and impressions and uh, more familiar Doctor Who names uh, uh, Terry Malloy and uh, Dan Starkey uh, ah. I mean Dan, Dan is a brilliant voice man anyway I've always known I've done voice stuff with Dan before um, and his versatility is is extraordinary he's got a real gift um, and so we knew that he would be perfect and be able to do everything that we asked of him and, and he was and he was able to do it uh, as well if not better than we uh expected so there's yeah there are some doctor who connections in there as well and it's basically yeah dick diction in the 21st century it's a, a space pilot from the 1970s uh has made a home for himself in the 21st century where he has been transported sound familiar it's supposed to uh, <laughs> uh, gets, uh, gets into all sorts of scrapes and occasionally chronological misunderstandings excellent excellent well everybody go and find these uh, these out on um on on the interwebs uh so yeah so you, you won't be disappointed you yeah, really Dick, won't be dis- Dick, Dick dixon's on a kickstarter so we've got the pilot on the kickstarter yeah you can do too and then if you want to hear more um stump up a bit of cash and we'll uh, <laughs> do it again yes i shall post links in in the show notes so everybody can can find it through our uh, through our website Thank you. No problem. Well, Toby, thank you once again for joining us. So um, I think it just leaves us to say, from me anyway, until next time, it's goodbye from me, Phil. And it's goodbye from me, Toby. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure.